Man, I don't know if you can hear the words. This is a different song. You know, when you're preaching on love, there's like lots of songs you can use. And so this is the third song we've used in this series. And they don't even know the guy that I chose this. I look for songs about Christian love. And, you know, the last line that was there is, We've forgotten how to love. And then earlier on, it said in there, uh, Lord, in Jesus, in Jesus' sweet name, help us to love our enemies. And that's what we want to talk about even today. And if you're sitting there like I was today and going, man, worship is really incredible today, you weren't wrong. Love, our worship was just incredible today. I, it's one of those times I listened to you. See, I did a little more listening than singing. Sometimes you do that, you know. And I just listened as you guys were worshiping as the band was leading us up here. It was incredible. And then my eye caught Trey on this box thing. I'm always amazed how many sounds can come out of that box. And I just watched his little hands, you know, and doing this and doing this. And one time I caught him, and he slapped the box. He went like, ouch. <laughs> you know, I, bet it's, I didn't think about that. And, uh, yeah, it was just good. So, anyway, I'm, I'm pretty filled up and happy to be in the house of the Lord. How about you? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Car- Carmelo said, hey, Dwayne, you need to run down the line and let us, like, pump you up, you know, and slap your hands and stuff. I said, we'll do that next week. So don't forget, okay? Don't forget that next week. All right, good deal. Hey, so here we are like smack dab in the middle of our love series, all right? Our key verse remains. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love. And we all know faith is important because without faith it's impossible to please God. We know hope is important. You know, we can go days without food and days without water. But Rick Warren says you can't go a minute without hope. And then we have this thing called love called love. And that's what we've been talking about. And particularly today, we're going to understand the title, Love It Ain't For Sissies, because it's not. We want to talk today about faith friends, Romans, and other difficult people. We want to talk about loving our enemies. Now, let me explain the title to you. Fake friends, we kind of may know what the value. Well, all of us have times when someone proclaimed or professed to be our friend, and it didn't quite work out that way. Um, perhaps, you know, they were, they were in a group of people who were shooting you down, and rather than stand up for you, they denied they even knew you. Or maybe perhaps you've had a friend before that's betrayed you. You share something in confidence, and they and they didn't keep it in confidence. You know, it could be like that. Um, um, perhaps maybe it's, it's some other things. It's um, a friend of mine used the term this week, backstabbing. You know, perhaps it, you know someone stabbed you in the back when it was came time to stand for you. They stabbed you in the back. Fake friends. We've all we've all experienced that. And if you haven't, hang on. It's, you know, there's still time. There's still time. And then, and then we got the Romans thing, and you might be probably figured that out. You know, this whole title, by the way, came from friends, Romans, and countrymen uh, from, from that. But but the Romans were obviously the enemy. Okay, and that day, man, the Romans hated the Jews. They hated a lot of people, but they hated um, the Jews. And sometimes in our lives, you don't have to second guess you know, who your enemy is. You, you know, boy, they, they might as well wear a placard that says, Hi, I'm your enemy. Um, sometimes it's like that. And then we got these other difficult people. If you live long enough and you walk around town enough and you walk around Walmart enough or if you go to church enough, you're going to bump into difficult people. Can I have an amen there? Yeah. You know, you know we just do. We, we, there are some, so many relationships that are messy. 
There's so many relationships that are just messy. And so we have this, and the cool thing is, is that when you think about it, what I just described, Jesus experienced. What I just described, Jesus experienced. You know, he had some friends that denied him, you know. You know when, when the time came to stand with him, they all ran. When it came time for Peter, one of his best buds, to, to stand with him, he denied he even knew him. And, of course, then there's the story of Judas Iscariot, who literally stabbed him in the back, who betrayed him to the Romans. And we know all about those kind of things, don't we? And we all know, and he knew about the Roman government. It was the ones that led the charge to nail him to a Roman cross. And he knew about difficult people, too. I mean, the, the, the guys he chose couldn't get along with each other. And it was difficult. I'm sure I can just see Jesus shaking his head sometime going, boy, this is more, harder than I thought it was going to be. That's just the way it seems. So we want to start off this morning. We want to jump in with a teaching point that's very important. Okay? Um, before we start, okay, remember that God's Word is not a bag of trail mix. You can't just pick out the pieces you like and ignore the rest. Now, over the last two or three weeks, I have used several word pictures to try to teach you this truth. And the reason why is I know for a fact we don't do this well. We don't do this well. We, we sing about how much we love the Word of God and we believe the Word of God. We preach from Ephesians. The Word of God is you know, the powerful sword. But the problem is, we, there, there are two problems. We've talked about both of them. Number one is, we love hearing about the Word of God, but we don't like to apply it. We don't like to apply it. And, and the other problem is this. We say we love the Word of God, but we pick and choose. I, I used the word of Golden Corral one time, the illustration of Golden Corral. I love Golden Corral because you go through the line and you pick what you choose and leave the rest. And, and then, you know, we have a funeral dinner or we have a potluck dinner here at church. And the same thing. We pick and choose what we want. We get choose what we like and leave the rest there. Maybe at Christmas time, you get a Whitman sampler, you know, the box of chocolates, and you flip the lid open, and on the on the lid, there's there's a map of the chocolate. And I have like chocolate-covered coconut, and I like chocolate-covered nuts. And I'll go in there and, and I'll pick the ones I want. And then when Christmas is all done and I go in the kitchen, the box is still there, I open it up, and there's the chocolate-covered strawberry nougats, you know, and all that stuff. Things you wouldn't even want. That's just what we do. Well, that's okay with Whitman Sampler, and it's okay with a back box of trail mix. It's okay with all those things, but it's not okay with the Word of God. See, M&Ms are my favorite. If you, you know, a good trail mix is going to have M&Ms in it somewhere. You've got, the, you've got the kind of healthy stuff, and you've got the kind of salty stuff, but then you've got the sweet stuff. And I found out, you know, if you'll hold that bag in your hand just right and shuffle it and make sure Judy's not looking at you, you can scoop out the M&Ms. Yeah, you get exactly what you want. And, and we just love it when the preacher or our Sunday school teacher or our daily devotion, we, we find things that we really, really like. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to difficult things like loving your enemies, when it comes to difficult things like loving those that are unloving, we wrestle with those. We wrestle with those. So today, we want to talk about something we're going to have to wrestle with. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you, don't treat God's word like a box of trail mix, a bag of trail mix. Choose nothing, take 
everything. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that didn't come out in first service. Yeah, choose nothing. Take everything. Well, we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 5. This is part of the great sermon of, of Jesus. Um, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he was preaching all these different things, okay? And so, so he throws out what I call up here the law of the land. The law of the land. In other words, in, outside of the realm of, of spiritual stuff, there's this law of the land. It's the way culture, it's the law of culture, what culture does. Um, a new and better word came to me moments before I came to church today, and that was the law of logic. There are some things that just seem logical. I am so glad that God is not logical. Because, listen, if God was logical, here's how it would play out. We sin. And he destroys us and tries again. That's logical. You're God. You can do that. But for some reason, he didn't. I know the reason is his love. But he chose not to do that. He chose not to do the logical thing. He chose to do the illogical thing. And the crazy part is, he calls us often to do his same illogical things. So the law of the land, the law of logic, if you will, says this. You have heard the law, and we have. And notice that's a small L. This is the law of the land. This is the law of culture, okay? You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes all the sense in the world. That's what we know. It's easy and, and almost expected to love your neighbor, to love the ones who treat you good. I mean, when someone treats you well, it's easy to love, and you respond with love. That's just the way it is. And... It's easy to hate your enemies. It's easy. Someone hurts you, you hurt them back. If someone ignores you, you ignore them. If someone steals from you, you, know, you steal back. And what's crazy is, in this, in this mixed up world that we live in, that law of the land is accepted. It's accepted. In fact, it's almost expected. Now, I'm not a Facebook person. I, I wish you happy birthday if I know it's your birthday, and I do my blog thing, and that's it. But I can just imagine this being played out on Facebook. You know, you know, someone says something nice about you, you say something nice about them. But man, but man, when someone offends you, when someone hurts you, when someone says something wrong, boom, bam, bam, you, you hit back, and you hit back hard. And then people go, man, you've got them. Way to go. Yeah. Boy, slam dunk. You show them who was boss. And the world applauds it. They, they, they not only accept it, but it's expected. They, they not only are not appalled by it, they find appeal and applaud it. That is, that's the law of the land. Well, let's hear our teaching point. So, as Christ followers, okay, as Jesus people, so, so if you are a person who put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's you, that's you, that's me, okay? As Christ followers, we are to be different from the world. So in other words, when it comes to the law of land, and Jesus is to give this to us, when it comes to the law of the land, okay, we got a different one to live by, all right? We are to be different, okay? Uh, Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2.9. You know, you are, you, Jesus people, you are a chosen people. In other words, you're a people that God chose. Um, you're a royal priesthood. Well, there's so much there. 
Um, a holy nation. And keep in mind, this is so good. You know, the word holy means set apart. Okay? So when you did the Jesus thing, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you started down the Jesus road, you became set apart for God. You're holy, that is, you're set apart. He goes on and says this, a people for his possession, a people for him to own and to love. Um, so you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you into his marvelous light. We are a different people. And then, then Francis Chan says this, and it's so good. Sometime or something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. When, yeah, mm, I heard that, Jackie. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. When, when we live our lives and our lives make total sense to the world, something is definitely wrong. That's the law of the land. The law of the land would say, oh, yeah, I, you, you, know, you, you love a person who loves you, and you hate the, the person who's against you, and, and so that makes sense to us. And when our lives make sense to the world, something is wrong. We, we are to confound. Ooh. We are to confound the world with our Jesusness. And so we're, we're to be so different because of our Jesusness. Well, in Matthew 5 44, the next verse, we're going to see Jesus preach something. And then we're going to go over to Luke in just a moment and we're going to see how he practiced that. Okay, so here's the sermon in a nutshell. He says in verse 44, but I say, but I say, Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let's do that again. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing probably, so, so you read that and you go, you know, maybe he's metaphorically speaking. Surely he doesn't mean that we're to totally go opposite of the law of logic, the law of the land. We're to love our neighbors and hate our enemies. Surely there's some other meaning. And I need to tell you, there's not. There's not. I did the preacher thing. Because, you know, in the Greek language, there are different words for love. And I said, okay, well, surely, if I'm a betting Baptist, okay, I'm going to bet he used a lesser word for love. There's, there's this one. Um, one is like eros, and that's like a sexual love. We're going to throw that one out, okay? But there's a phileo love. It's a love of brother. Maybe he's saying, maybe he's saying, because we're all human, we should have love for humans. We should have an affection for humans. Uh, maybe, maybe because we're mankind, then, then you know, we're, because we're all mankind, we should have an affection for all humans. I said, that's got to be it. You ain't going to like this. That's not what he said. I looked it up and here's what it says. When he said, love your neighbor, love your enemies, that's that stinking, sacrificial, dying love. Remember that John 3.16 verse we shared in one of our songs? For God so loved the world that he gave that he gave his son Jesus to a Roman cross. That he loved the world so much. He planned this great plan of redemption. 
you know, and plan for his son to come and live a sinless, perfect life and be nailed to a Roman cross. Remember that love for God so loved. Yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Can't, can't Saul sell it? I can't tell you that he really meant phileo. No, he meant agape. He meant dying, sacrificial love. Oh, my goodness. But I say, be willing to sacrifice for your enemies. Be willing to die for your enemies. That's what he said. I told you it wasn't logical. It makes no sense. It's the law of the land. The law of logic is much easier. But since when did God call us to easy? He calls us to this. Love your enemies. And then, and then he says, then he says, pray for those who persecute you. And there's, a, there's another big thing there. Do you see it? See, we wrestle with the law of the land, the law of logic, okay? Because the law of the land, the law of logic says this. We don't pray for those who persecute us. We pray about those who persecute us. You don't pray for your husband, ma'am. You pray about your husband. You spend your time telling God how sorry he is. But don't feel bad because while you're doing that, your husband is talking to the same God and telling God what a sorry wife you are. And then both the parents' kids are praying about what sorry kids y'all are. I know y'all don't pray about your sorry parents, do you? <laughs> y'all better than that. But do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't say that. He said, don't pray, don't spend your time telling God how bad they are. That's not what Jesus said. He said, pray for those who persecute you. Wow. So we're supposed to have this love, Jesus said, this love. That's a dying sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that, that God demonstrated when he allowed his son Jesus to be nailed to a cross. It's the kind of love in Romans chapter 5, 8. It says where you know, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies with God, while we were enemies with God, Christ died for us. That kind of love. A prayer life isn't about it's a prayer life that's for. How incredibly powerful is that? And, and that's what Jesus preached. And then he comes along and he practices it. He shows it. Now, before I forget to say this, it's important. Now, you would say, someone in this room would say, well, of course he practiced it. He's God. God can do anything. But don't forget that God, Jesus, was 100% God. You are spot on there. 100% God. But in one of the great mysteries, he's 100% man. And, and so what we're about to see from Jesus is not Jesus in his divinity, in his God performance. That's a bad word, but you know what I mean. We see him in his humanity. 
Let's read it. It's, it's Luke chapter 23, verse 33. The Bible says, when they, the, the crucifixion crowd, when, when they came to a place called the skull, and in another gospel, it's the word Golgotha, which means the skull. It's where Rome went to kill their enemies. So when they came there, they nailed him to the cross. Hmm. Now, if you're taking notes, you're going to circle that word they, because I want you to understand that they was not just Rome. Not just Rome. They were the instruments that day. A bunch of guys got up and went to work, and they do what they did when they went to work. They killed criminals, and they counted Jesus as a criminal, and they were going to kill him. But remember what I said about fake friends? Remember Peter's denial? Remember Jesus Christ's betrayal? Remember the backstabbing? Yeah, well, they were driving nails, too. They were driving nails, too. And the truth is, we did, too. Because of our sin. Sin sent Jesus, our sin sent Jesus to the cross. But his love for us held him there. Mm. His love for us held him there. So when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were crucified, one on the left and one on the now I want you to understand something. When they, as they drove those nails through his feet and through his hands, I want you to understand he identified with your pain. You remember, you remember when you were, you, someone denied your friendship? Do you, do you remember when you were backstabbed? Do you remember uh, when you were betrayed? Do you remember when an outright enemy attacked you? Do you remember when life is difficult because of where you work or what you do? Or guys, at high school and the middle school, it's got to be challenging. You remember all of that? I just want you to know this. Jesus feels your pain. Jesus knows your hurt. Because in his humanity, he felt every strike of the hammer. He felt every ounce of pain that we would feel. So there he hangs on the cross. And here it comes. Here's the practice. We, I, thanks, Peter. I see, I see you hiding over there about a mile away. Thanks, Peter, for staying with me. Hey, boys, thanks for all running away like sheep scattered from the shepherd. Hey, Judas, yeah, three years you walked with me. You sold me out for 30 pieces. Thank you, Judas, for selling me out for such a cheap price or for any. That's not what he said. The, the, man, the man who said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, said this. And Jesus said, this is Luke 23, 34. Uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
hanging on a ragged old Roman cross with railroad-sized stake piercing his wrist and his feet, he says, he practices what he preached and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, you know me, I'm trying to help us out today because I know this is difficult. I'm trying to help us out. And so I... I did it again. I went to my commentary and I clicked on the magic button and all the Greek words pop up. And I said, surely that doesn't mean really forgive. Yeah, it did. Sorry to disappoint you. In fact, it means this. To remove the guilt. What? What? Peter denies him. Judas Iscariot betrays him. The people are shouting for his death. The Romans are driving the nails. And he says, remove the guilt. That is practicing what you preach. That is, love your enemies. And keep in mind, he did not do that in his divinity. I mean, in, in, his, in his godship, he could have called 12 legions of angels. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels would come to his rescue. He, could have, he didn't even need to stab his finger. He could have thought the thought and everyone would have fallen, fallen dead. He didn't say this in his godness. He says it in his humanity. So that makes it appropriate for us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers, total disdain, didn't even look up as he prayed. Let's get back to Matthew in chapter 5 and verse 45. Because this is really interesting. In Matthew 5, 45, then Jesus continued now in his sermon. Now he says, in that way, in what way? In loving and praying. In loving, agape, sacrificial love. Dying or loving like you'll die for someone and praying not about people but for people, not praying about people but for people, in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Oh, wait, 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 Dwayne. I thought I was acting like my true Father in heaven when I came to church because you know what a sacrifice that is. Dwayne, Dwayne, I thought I was acting a lot like my father when I wrote the check. You know, remember the check. Times are hard, Dwayne. It is so awesome that you come to church. Do not hear me say otherwise. And it's great you write checks. I cannot believe the faithfulness of Dorsville people to give. But don't miss this. Jesus says, when we love our when we defy, lay aside the law of logic and pick up the law of love and love our enemies as God loved his enemies, woo! That'll preach. And when we pray for people and not about people, in that way, you'll be acting as true children, true children of your Father in heaven. How about that? Wow. Wow. And then he, he, he says, you know, you know, he, you might as well stick a therefore. You know, therefore he, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends his reign on the just and the unjust. And remember, Jesus is saying we're to, to love our, our, our neighbors and we're to love our enemies. We're to love both. And he says, it's just like God. You know, God gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he could have done otherwise. See, he's God. We can't do that. 
But you know what God could do? God should so focus the sunlight so that if you really obey him and love him and keep the rules, you get the sunlight. And all those old evil people there, they live in the dark. We, we can't imagine that. But God could do it. I mean, he could make the sun stand still one day. I mean, he could, he could do that. And then, and then he sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. He could do that. He could make it so there's a nice big thunder shower over the good people right here and over here, desert, dry. He could do that. But he chooses not to. Rather, rather, Jesus said, he sends his sunlight on both the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Oh, how about that? What's our teaching point say? Our teaching point says this. God extends his grace, and this is good. God extends his grace on the brokenness of this world just like dew covers the ground. We know the story in the Old Testament where dew was directed, but generally speaking, you know, in an open field, dew falls on everything. And that's just the way God did his grace. He extends it on the brokenness of the world as dew covers the ground, touching both the stinging nettle and the rose. Well, I'm pretty sure I know for a fact y'all don't even have stinging nettles up here, but this southern boy knew all about them because they're a little plant about that tall. And they've got these little hairy things on them, you know. And it's kind of like some of those cactuses that have the little hairy things. Not thorns, hairy things. So they've got these hairy things on it, and they've got little white flowers. And if you step on one of them suckers or brush hard against it, those little hairy things get in your skin, and they itch and drive you nuts. But what's amazing is God sends that dew on the stinging nettle, too. He sends that dew... On the beautiful rose. That's just the way God is. And then he says this. His kids are to do the same. Our Heavenly Father says, my children do the same. Jesus, our Savior, says we do the same. So we skip down a couple of verses and we hit verse 48 and it says this, you know, so, so Jesus says, you know, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And this also, this is also so cool. See, the words translate in English the same, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. But they're not the same word. They're just a little bit different. But the difference is huge. The first word in the Greek means to make to be morally perfect or to make wise moral choices. And one of those great moral choices is loving your enemy. So, so Jesus says, so, so choose good moral, make good moral choices, okay? Like loving your enemy, okay? Therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Now, when we see Brother Paul's writing in the New Testament, generally speaking, the word uh, perfect means mature. James uses also mature, mature. So, so we are to make good moral choices like not, not the law of logic, but the law of love, okay? Not, not okay, as the world chooses, 
But as God would have us choose, make good moral choices, therefore, because your heaven will be as, as your heavenly Father is mature. We're growing to be like God. We're growing to be like God. See, sermons, they didn't get this in first service either. Sermons do have a purpose. I have to admit, I've preached a few pointless sermons in my time. Um, but sermons are supposed to have a purpose. And so does this sermon from Jesus. He wants us to grow and be mature as our Father in Heaven is mature. Now, fortunately, the clock is not working, so I do not know what, where the clock is. So we're just going to preach along, okay? Um, well, I mean, really, it's not there, so I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so, so what we want to do is now, we want to look at some quick application. I worked right through these in about five minutes in the first service, and we'll do the very same here. Now, um, especially with the war in Ukraine right now, um, there's something called the Geneva Conventions. Um, and they mandate, mandate the standards of hum for humane treatment, humanitarian treatment in war. So they had those, they, they came up after World War II, and they're supposed to tell the enemy how to treat soldiers and those kind of things. We have it, we don't usually follow it. Uh-oh. Because our mandate's the Word of God, and we have it, but sometimes we don't follow that either. Okay? But Paul, in Romans chapter 12, gives this incredible, incredible teaching on loving our enemies. And, um, boys, it, it's just worth hearing real quick. Let's look at it real quick. Okay, first we start out with Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Um, never. Can somebody say never? Yeah, yeah, never kind of means never. Okay, so never pay back evil with more evil. Never pay back evil with with more evil. So someone treats you evilly, if that's a word, evilly, and then we retaliate with evil. Paul said, no, 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 don't do that. He's just lining up with Jesus. There's a great quote from Martin Luther King, um, and it's supposed to end the sermon, but we're going to move it up here. You know, returning hate for hate, returning hate for hate multiplies hate. Multiplies hate. Adding, I love this verbiage, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Is that not rich? So when we hate, we've been wrong, and we choose to retaliate with wrong, okay? It does, it just multiplies the darkness. A darkness that already is devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. It may give you a moment of satisfaction, but hate cannot drive out hate, okay? Um, Darkness can drive, cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So, so Paul says, so Paul says, never, never retaliate with hate. Never do that, okay? Then he says in verse number 17, continuing, never pay back evil with more evil. Do such, do such things in a way that everyone can see you're honorable. In other words, do things in such a way that people know you belong to Jesus. You know, in Matthew chapter, I believe it's chapter 6, you know, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works to glorify your fathers in heaven. We are, we are living such a way that the world says, That doesn't make sense to me. You're living such a way, you have to... <laughs> I'm fixing to say something good. We got to live in a way in such our friends go, Can you explain that to me? 
And then you tell them about Jesus. Amen. Isn't that awesome? You tell them about Jesus. See, we can explain church and we can explain religion. We just can't explain Jesus. It's so phenomenal. It's so unbelievable. It's so otherworldly. So otherworldly. All right. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Do all that you can. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Let me translate that for you. Do everything you can. Do everything you can. Uh, you know, y'all know about mining. You know, you know if, you, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna dig coal, we used to do that around here a lot. Okay, when you dig coal, you've got to mine with all the mine. You've got to mine the mine. If you're gonna dig coal, you've got to mine the mine. If you're looking for gold, you've got to mine the mine. If, if you're gonna look for, for silver, you've got to mine the mine. If you're looking for diamonds in South Africa, you've got to mine the mine. And, and if you want to live at peace with everyone, you've got to mine the mine. You've got to dig deep and keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. You can't give up. Well, Dwayne, I don't, want even, I don't even like this person. It is not about you liking them. It's about God loving them. And we're supposed to be like the Father. That's, that's what it's about. You know, CW Ministry, and that means Changed Women's Ministries. I couldn't find a reference for the quote, but I liked it so much I want to use it. You know, we're supposed to love our enemies, but that doesn't mean we have lunch with them. I, I need to throw that out for you. Because you're saying, yeah, oh, Dwight, you want me to open myself up so I can be hurt again. No, I didn't say you had to have lunch with them. But I did say you got to love them. Now, I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Jesus did. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Love each other. Now, in verse 19, there's three, it's just a, it's three beautiful things. Dear friends, never take revenge. Write that down. Never take revenge. Twain, I want to pay. I want my pound of flesh. I want to hurt like I hurt. Well, the word of God says, <laughs> never take revenge. Well, Dwayne, what am I supposed to do then? Well, you're supposed to leave that to the righteous anger of God. <laughs> God, let me tell you something. You want a pound of flesh? Has somebody hurt you? You want a pound of flesh? Trust me, he's better at it than you are. <laughs> he's better at it. You want to know how good he is? You know, how many of y'all want Satan to get what's coming to him? Yeah, well, listen to this. Revelation 20.10. This is what happens in the end. You should read the end of the book. It's good. The devil... Who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever. How's that for revenge? You say, you say I don't, no, wait, no, you're saying, I know what you're saying. You're saying, yeah, but these are believers. That's okay. There's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ where we will give account not for our sin but for our actions. The price and penalty of sin is paid for but we will give an account. Leave it to God. Leave, God. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. And here's the third thing. The scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And when we don't do that, you know what you're saying? I don't trust you. When you say, I've got to get revenge, you're saying God's not a God of his word. You're saying, if I don't, it won't. I know God. I, it's, remember that Jonah story? I know God. Uh, uh, no, no, leave it to him. 
Don't, don't get into this kitchen. Look at our teaching point. God is better at extracting, extracting revenge than you are. He's just better at it. He's just better at it. Stay out of this kitchen. Leave payback to him. Got a husband that did you wrong? Why don't you leave it to God? Got a wife who did you wrong? Got a parent who did you wrong? Got somebody at school that did you wrong? Got a teacher that did you wrong? As a Jesus follower, we're going to leave it to Jesus. And at him, get it back. Leave payback to him. In Romans 12, 20, last one. Here's, what, here's practically what you do. <laughs> you ain't going to like this either. <laughs> Y'all will go and go, yeah, that preacher said several things I just didn't like. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 20. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, you feed them. If they are thirsty, you give them to drink. And so doing, you are heaping coals of shame on their heads. Reap shame on their heads. Understanding, this person says, it ain't going to shame me, and they might be right. But one day God will. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Well, can I give you one more nugget and we'll call it a day? It's the last verse. Don't let evil conquer you. Some of you have got scars from the evil you've been carrying around. Someone did you wrong. Somebody did you wrong. There's somebody molested you. Somebody introduced you to drugs. Somebody stole your wife. Somebody stole your husband. Somebody stole your marriage. You know, somebody stole your, your peace at home, kids. It's eating you. It's eating you. Don't let evil conquer you. Well, Dwayne, what's the antidote? What's the antidote for the poison? Well, earlier, earlier we said, you know, in, in the early church, we said that prayer was the antidote for the poison that eats us. Praying for them. If you're truly praying for somebody, it's very difficult to hate them. But this is good. What's the antidote? Conquer evil by doing good. And keep in mind, that's all in the eyes and the lens of Jesus. You know, conquer evil by doing good. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. We know Jesus, after the resurrection restores Peter. In fact, when he resurrects, the first thing he says to one lady is, go find Peter and tell him I'm alive. He didn't reject Peter. He loved Peter. And in John 21, he publicly, in front of the group, restored Peter. Jesus, Jesus didn't hold grudges. You shouldn't either. We shouldn't either. Guys, if the church is going to do any good in this crazy world we're living in, we got to apply this. we got to quit hating one another and start loving one another. We ain't got time to hate one another. Many people are saying Jesus is coming back and he might just well be coming very soon. He is coming back and it may be very soon. We ain't got time for stuff like that.
And the world will be befuddled when we start loving them like God loves them. Amen? Amen. I know it's hard, by the way. Like I say, one day when we got time, I'll tell you some of my scars. And preachers aren't exempt from the scars. I'll tell you some of mine. But I'm learning like you are. We're on a faith journey. All of us are. And you all know you've had me 22 years. You know I ain't perfect and I don't do things right sometimes. I don't handle things right sometimes. But I'm learning that when we do things God's way, yeah. When we, when we defy and throw away the law of logic and follow the law of love, well, God has a way of making that work. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Um, I just want to let you know that this is our time of decision. You know, I talked a lot about Jesus on the cross today. And I talked a, lot, talked a lot about how God loves you and sent His Son Jesus to die for you so that we could have, you could have, and we could have forgiveness of sins. And I'll be standing down front, and I would love to tell you more about that. And I've got some friends who will help me today do that. And if you're here today and you've been wounded and hurt, and most of us have at one time or another, the altar's open. And here's, here's what I know. Remember I write that blog, some of y'all read that, and, you know, and I always end it with, He's got this. If you're wrestling with forgiving someone, you need to know something. He's got this. He's got this. He'll, he'll help you. He'll help you. All you got to do is ask him, and he'll help you. And then I'm going to ask you to let help God or tell God to help you settle this in your heart. Just settle this in your heart. The days that are coming are very difficult, and we need the law of love. God, thank you. Boy, are you good. Thank you for the privilege that was mine to share this word today. I want to pray for the hearts of the people that they'll be open and receptive, Father, this word. We know that Satan wants to come and steal the seed. We learned that in the parable of the sower. I pray that seed will be protected today and that we will seal this in our hearts. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious, precious name. Amen.